Hi everyone, and welcome to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm your DJ and host, Sam Wilson Jr., as I bring you the history of black music, gospel, jazz, blues, old school classic soul, old school hip hop, today's hip hop and R&B, Caribbean, Latin, Afrobeat, Afro-Latina, Blue-Eyed Soul, Disco, Go-Go, Line Dances, and The Lost 45s. So come with me as I take you on a trip to the history of Black music, right now on the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. and this is the Black Soul Music Experience. On this episode, I have a new topic that you're going to love. It's the Grammy and Super Bowl TV moments, our favorite R&B Black artists performing on primetime television. Originally, I was trying to get a lady who I knew who worked in the special events department from CBS, but she pulled out to the last minute. So I had to bring back my guests who I had on back in November of 2023, when we was talking about 50 years of hip hop. And she said, yes. So I'm delighted to have her back on this episode of the Black Soul Music Experience. As we talk about our topic, our favorite Grammy and Super Bowl TV moments, our favorite R&B Black artists who performed at the Grammy Awards and at the Super Bowl. So please help me welcome back my friend and colleague, producer from CBS News, Miss Tanya Dunham. Welcome to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. and as you know, CBS is airing the 66th annual Grammy Awards coming up on the first Sunday of February. And on the second Sunday of February, which is February 11th, the day before Lincoln's birthday, Super Bowl 58 will be coming to you live from Las Vegas. There'll be two airing on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Now, originally, I was wanting to get one of the other people that I knew from CBS who worked in special events, but unfortunately, she called out to the last minute. So I had to get this lady back here for the third time on the Black Soul Music Experience podcast. We're going to be talking about our favorite Super Bowl and Grammy moments. All of our favorite R&B Black artists that performed on the Grammy Awards and on the Super Bowl. So please help me welcome back to my Black Soul Music Experience podcast, my friend and colleague, producer from CBS News, Miss Tanya Dunham. Hi, Tanya. How you doing? Hey, Sam. How are you? Um, yes, glad to be here and welcome back to my podcast. As I said, I was trying to get one of the other ladies who was in special events, and unfortunately, she called out to the last minute. So I said, I had to bring you back because we have to talk about the Super Bowl 
and the Grammy moments. Now, I want to share with the audience before we start the interview. VH1 back in the year 2000 had the VH1's 100 greatest rock and roll moments that appeared on television. All of our favorite pop, R&B, soul, hip hop, and yes, rock musicians that had appeared on primetime, daytime, late night, whether it's specials or Saturday Night Live, and yes, popping up on so many uh, late night talk shows and some other episodes of our favorite shows as well. And of course, sports too, whether it's the World Series or the Super Bowl and other things as well. So we're going to be talking about our favorite R&B black artists that performed on the Grammys and on the Super Bowl. So we're going to start off with the Grammys. As I just mentioned, the 66th Annual Grammy Awards will be airing on the first Sunday of February live at 8 p.m., 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain, 5 Pacific on CBS and streaming at Paramount Plus. So we're going to start off with part one with the Grammys and everything. Are you ready for the challenge, Tanya? I will try to help out as much as I can. <laughs> yes. So as you know, I have been watching the Grammys when I was little <laughs> around um, back in 1974. And it aired on CBS on that Saturday night, 10 p.m. late. Let me tell you, they started at 10 p.m. Saturday night. It didn't finish until 1230 in the morning. So during that time, all the way up until February 23rd, 1978, on a Thursday, that's when they moved to Thursday night. And that was the week when I was off for the President's Day week or snow day, that you would call it. I was in the fifth grade at PS 108, and we had the first um, President's Day week off. And the Grammy Awards have aired on Thursday night. February 23rd, 1978 at 9 p.m. It came on right after the Charlie Brown special and the Bugs Bunny special. So it came an hour earlier. Wow. Now that's a relief from 9 to 11 p.m. It didn't finish until 11.05, so it was worth it. It was an hour earlier. Now I can just go and chill. So let's start off with the question as usual. So even though I share with some of mine, um, let's share some of yours. Um, please share with the audience what about your memories of watching the Grammy Awards? Oh, my gosh. Let's see. I'm going to go back to the 80s because that's when I really started watching it. Um, I can't remember anything in the 70s. Um, but as a teenager in the 80s, I remember my the the first one was um, the Arrhythmics. I think that was 1984, or I can't remember which year it was. 80, 84, yeah, I think it was 84, or 85, somewhere around there. I watched the Arrhythmics, and that performance. I don't know if you all know what they were singing. They were singing "Sweet Dreams," and Annie Lennox and um, the 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 guy that's with her. I can't remember his name. But they, their performance, oh my gosh, just stole my 
heart. And and ever since then, I ever since I saw her on the Grammys, I've been following her ever since. So that's one of my memories. Um, another memory is uh, Michael Jackson, of course. You know, I think it was 1988 or 87, somewhere around there. I was still in high school. Um, uh, he performed the um, Man in the Mirror. And, you know, he did all his little dances and everything. But that was iconic then, too. And then coming up to the 2000s, I think Beyonce in 2010, uh, she turned it out. She definitely turned it out. I, I, those three people are were are etched etched in my mind. So, yeah, well, same thing here. So, me growing up, as I said, you know, me growing up in the seventies, I was watching all the Grammys, and um, I've seen all the winners. Um, I've seen Stevie Wonder won and Aretha Franklin won back in the seventies, and uh, and yes. Um, Shaka Khan, even though she wasn't there, but there were some other people who were accepted for other Grammys as well. Now, every year, the Grammy Awards will have some main attraction. You just mentioned Michael Jackson. That's the main attraction. I remember back in 1984 when he was nominated for 10 Grammy Awards for the Thriller LP for Best Songs, Best Album, Best Record of the Year. So that was 1984, although I didn't watch it, but I've heard about it. You know, he was up for like 10 or 11 Grammy nominations. And back in 1983, the other attractions was the late Marvin Gaye. And he was up against Stevie Wonder and Luther Vandross and uh, just to name a few. So Marvin Gaye had won his first Grammy Award back in 1983. So it was for best R&B vocal male for his number one hit, Sexual Healing. So that was the main attraction. And yes, Jennifer Holliday from the Broadway musical Dreamgirls. She already won a Tony Award in 1982, and she won a Grammy for her number one hit, And I Am Telling You I'm Not Going. That was number one back in the summer of 82 from the Broadway musical Dreamgirls. And she now she won a Grammy and a Tony. So that was another main attraction too. So like every year, the Grammys will always have the main attraction. You know, not everybody's going to like it, but I'll give you an example. Back in 1989, that's when hip hop and heavy metal have entered the category. But sadly, you know, hip hop didn't get to perform their performances. So they were boycotting at the Grammys back in 1989. So that was, you know, as I said, you know, not. But hey, we had to start somewhere. Yeah. And as far as some other music is concerned, I remember back in 1978, for the first time, they had gospel music on the Grammy Awards for the first time. And the Reverend James Cleveland won a Grammy for that one. So as I as I was watching, I see some of the other winners that were winners before the telecast. And that was something new to me. You know, I had never seen it or heard it before. But down through the years, I've seen some winners who have won their Grammys before the live telecast. And, you know, like I said earlier, Many of the musical performances may not get televised. 
you know, we get some, you know, backlash. And I remember when Shayla was on, on BLS. So you know how this with black radio, everybody be talking about the Grammys. Everybody be talking about, you know, this and that <laughs> and everything. Now let's, let's talk about some of your favorites who performed at the Grammys. I know you mentioned the Rhythmics and Michael Jackson. What were some of the other performers that you uh, liked who had performed on the Grammys? Mm, I like, uh, let's see. I, I really like the Kendrick Lamar's um, performance. I think he's the most lyricalist uh, rapper that I, you know, in this day and age besides Nas and Jay-Z. Um, I really love his style. And I think, I think his, it was a powerful message. Um, let me see who else that I enjoy watching. I mean, there's so many of them that I watch. I can't even place who I, who I, I, I definitely remember Beyonce's performance because, um, that was iconic. And, and even with her on the Super Bowl, everything she does is a statement. So, um, oh, and I liked, uh, Lizzo's performance. I think that was two years ago. I love Lizzo. I think she, I love anybody who plays an instrument. I mean, she brings her flutes, you know, I love, I just love her style. So I think, I thought her performance is very well, was, was really good. Um, um, oh, I think Adele. Oh my God. I am not, I'm, I, I've never bought none of her music, but Adele definitely set the stage on her, uh, with her song. I can't remember the song she sung, but anything Adele sings is just great, you know? Um, and who else? I'm trying to think. Um, maybe we'll just stick with those right now. I'm pretty sure some more come to, to my uh, uh, memory in a second and everything. But I just remember, you know, like glued to the TV and watching their performance and feeling every emotion they had in every in the song. So I'm talking about Adele specifically. Um, Kendra just hyped me up, and um, uh, Beyonce, she just gave me power. You know. Yeah, and one of the best uh, performances that I have enjoyed was, um, I believe, was back in 1998 when the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, <clears throat> excuse me, Aretha Franklin performed at the Grammys. Now, opera singer Luciano Paparotti wasn't feeling well, so they just passed the baton to Aretha Franklin, who did the opera version, and when she performed, on stage let me tell you she received a standing ovation everybody got up i mean aretha pulled it off she, you know you know she'll she'll sing anything she'll sing jazz she'll sing gospel she'll sing anything but this is the first time i heard her performing opera i was like oh my goodness she pulled it off and like i said Everyone got up and received a standing ovation. I mean, like so many performers, like, you know, almost in tears when she saw Aretha performing. I saw Faith Hill was in tears and Celine Dion said like, yay! <laughs> it was like a standing ovation. And that was, I think, was part of like number 54 on the VH1's 100 Greatest Moments of Rock and Roll on television. It pulled it off. I mean... First time ever, you know, in in television history. And that was in 1998. 
The other one I liked back in 1994 when when I was at Radio City. You know, I was outside on Sixth Avenue, the barricades. I've seen so many performances coming out of the limo. And this was this Tuesday night. And the Grammys was airing on CBS that Tuesday night. That was the same night when Roseanne had that gay lesbian episode. I'll tell you about that in a minute. I was just switching back and forth. And uh, I was watching uh, U2 receive the Grammy Award. It was like, uh-oh. They, they, they said the F word. <laughs> it was on live TV. And they say, like, did they get that? Did they get that? And then later on, Frank Sinatra received his Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. Let me tell you, Old Blue Eyes got his props. But unfortunately, when they started playing the music and in the commercial, I was like, wait a minute. Can't you just give the man some respect? Let him give him his props. I mean, the man paid his dues. He sung everything, every decade that you can think of. I mean, you got to give some props to him. You know, Sinatra should have given him, like, you know, a few more words or something before we get in the commercial. Not like it was earlier. And then Billy Joel came out. So we had to give him some of that too. So he had to do like, you know, advertising dollars, 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 you know, <laughs> just give a little live time. Well, like I said, I was flipping back and forth, you know, while I was the commercials during the Grammys, I said, let me look a little Roseanne for a minute and see what that, that lesbian kiss I performed. So I turn it right back to the Grammys and see some other moments. So what was your reaction on that? I really didn't have a reaction on, on that part right there. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to. Yeah, I don't have a reaction with that, with uh, Roseanne. She is definitely um, uh, a scale tipper. So, and that, I'll leave it at that right there. She's definitely a scale tipper. I mean, um, but my memory just came back up. I remember, I think it was Pink when she had flew in through the air the first time. Do you remember that Grammy Award? Um, I didn't see that, but I heard about it on the news when she was doing acrobats. Now, I didn't know that Pink was doing that. And she's still doing it to this day. I think that was what, I think it was 20, 2009 or 10, one of those, um, Grammys. Um, it was Pink. She was, she came out and she did that acrobatic stuff in the air and that was just, and she was singing, singing hard. I mean, Best, I think that was one of uh, another one, another good show. Yeah. Now let me share another one. Glitter in the air. That was the song. Yep, glitter in the air. Sure was. Yes. Now let me share with some of the audience. Um, I was watching back in 1974. You know when Little Richard and Chuck Berry, they were presenting the award for favorite soul male. And they both said it was Stevie Wonder. And Stevie got up and was like, oh, my goodness. Stevie Wonder finally won a Grammy for the song You Are the Sunshine of My Life. And then he won another award for Best Engineering for the LP in Divisions. But then in 1975 of March, I remember this, March 1st, 1975, the Spinners performed at the opening of the Grammys. Even though they were nominated for a Grammy, this was the first time, but they didn't win a Grammy. But, you know, that was the main attraction. They were nominated for a Grammy. 
and Stevie Wonder was nominated for a Grammy, and uh, Aretha was nominated for a Grammy, and so many things, and even comedy too. And uh, they, they didn't perform on, on the Grammys, but, you know, there were some presenters, which will come to this next question. Who were some of your favorites that won the Grammys? Who were some of your favorites that won a Grammy? Tanya, are you there? Oh, sorry about that. I hit a button. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, I hit the mute button by accident. But anyways, um, well, Prince. Prince was one of your favorites who won the Grammy, correct? Yes, Prince. I can't remember which year it was. Um, hold on a second. I'm going to look at it real quick. Um, yeah, so I think it was two... Oh, he had a lot. He had a lot. He had a lot. Um, so Kiss, that was it. 1987 and Kiss. That was one of my favorite, favorite songs. And when he won that one for that, that album and everything, I was, uh, I think I was a young adult at that, at that time. Nope, I was still a teenager, but still. Um, that was one of my favorite artists and a favorite artist to this day. I'm a big Prince fan. Everybody should know that now. You should know that too, Sam. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Prince, Prince, and Prince, and Prince. That's who. That's my favorite artist who won several Grammys, not just one, several. Now, some of my favorites that won Grammys, you know, Roberta Flack and Aretha Franklin and Stevie Wonder and Gladys Knight and the Pips and Whitney Houston, 1986, when her cousin Dionne Warwick presenting the award for best new artist when she opened up that envelope and the winner is she said Whitney Houston <laughs> she couldn't believe it I remember that, I remember that. <laughs> wow that was 1986 I remember that she opened it took me a long time to know that that was her cousin I did not know and then when they when I finally figured it out years ago, I was like, oh, I, they they sort of like look alike. Yeah, because many people get confused with the other Houston, you know, singer Thelma Houston. They're not related to Whitney or Sissy or Dionne Warwick, so that was a confusion right there. So everybody will know. But some of the other favorites that won a Grammy. Um, on that same year of 1986, Whoopi Goldberg, she won a Grammy for Best Comedy Recording. And down through the years, um, Richard Pryor and Robin Williams, you know, just to name a few, they won Grammys for Best Comedy Recording. Now, as I said earlier, you know, not every category that you'll see on the Grammys, you know, not that main attraction, but, you know, there's some others that, that have gotten the live telecast and things like that. So as I as I mentioned, you know, Lou Rawls won a Grammy and Edwin Hawkins won a Grammy and Reverend James Cleveland won a Grammy and Kirk Franklin, you know, just to name a few that yeah. won Grammys. Now we're gonna flip the opposite. Who were some of your favorites that you wanted to win a Grammy? Hmm. 
Um, that's a that's a that's a. I had to think about that question. I never really did get back to it to really uh, answer that. Um, I'm trying to think. What year? Give me a year. Maybe a, a year of help out because uh, maybe. Um, Okay. What was the year? What was the year that um was that Kanye West who had said that Beyonce? Oh, that was the MTV Awards. That was the MTV Awards. Okay, I got them mixed up. That was the one when Taylor Swift came out and got yeah. the award, and then Kanye comes storming out of nowhere. I'm like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> I was like, what? Where did he come from? He just like popped up on stage. But anyways, um. Um, I'm sure I, I have to, I have to go back and look. I got to go back and look. I'm sorry, Sam. I got to go back and look. I didn't even think about that question right there. Who would I want, want will win. Um, and I know there's several because I, I don't watch all the Grammys, but I do watch what I can when I'm around, you know, whatever. But there are some artists that I had that, that should, that I thought that should have won. Um, but just give me a second. Let me figure out where, where, let me, where was who, what, when, and where? Um, but in the meantime, why don't you tell me who you know? Okay, now one of the favorites that should have won, won a Grammy, you know, um, I can think about the year 1983. It was, you know, a big toss up between Stevie and Marvin and Luther. I was like, oh, my goodness. I was hoping for, like, a tie. <laughs> I was hoping for a tie. And speaking of a tie, you know, uh, Patti LaBelle and Lisa Fisher won in a tie. Um, I think it was back in, in the uh, early 90s. And the first time I heard it was a tie, it was with Patti LaBelle and Lisa Fisher. That was 1992. They had that tie. And... And so many others that won't want it. You know, I wanted, you know, the Muppets back in 1976. Yes, the Muppets from Sesame Street. I wanted the Muppets to win for their best children's recording album. So it ended up with uh, Anthony Newley. He, he accepted a Grammy for someone else. I forgot the person's name. But they were the nominees for best children's recording. It was the Muppets. It was Jim Backus and someone else. So I was staying up for that one. So that was one of the ones that they had on there, the first uh, best children's um, recording album. And, uh, and there were some others that I wanted to win back to 1978. It was a toss-up, you know, with Lou Rawls and Marvin Gaye and another um, R&B artist. So me and mom, we was watching the Grammys. Oh, she was hoping for Lou Rawls. <laughs> I was hoping for Marvin Gaye, the one. But, you know, I was hoping for a tie, you know, a tie with Lou Rawls and Marvin Gaye. You know, they both had some um, hits uh, back then. So I was hoping for that tie, too. I don't know. Um, so for me, there, like I said, there were several. I had to jog my memory. But there was one. This is funny. You you ready for this one here? I'm ready. So Brian McKnight, he had 17 nominations, but he never won anything, right? And he lost his first 
Grammy 2 in 2004 to the guest. Guess who? Oh, let me let me let me let me think. Let me think. Uh was it Usher? Grand nomination to Prince. Oh. That was <laughs> so yeah, that was um, that was a uh, a moment. Uh, you know what, Nicki Minaj. You know, even though she gets on my nerves sometimes with her squeaky voice and stuff like that, but she's never been nominated. And I think, I think one time, uh, I think can't remember the year, um, but she, I believe that she should have been nominated too. Um, who else? Mm, and everybody else that I I'm looking at right now, I think they belong where they belong. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And I forgot to mention Lauren Hill. Um, she was nominated for I believe like five or ten Grammys, and she won four Grammys. So that was her night too. And and Nora Jones back in two thousand three. So me and Mom were coming home from Maryland. We got a chance to watch the Grammys, and I see Nora Jones, best jazz album, best jazz recording female, and that was her night, too. That was the one that I wanted her to win because, let me tell you, I have a couple of Nora Jones albums, one on CD and the rest streaming on iTunes. So that will put you like in a quiet mood and real smooth jazz the way it is. Now, yep. Diana Ross never won a Grammy. Diana Ross never won a Grammy. Well, I think definitely she she should have won something for like what was it? Uh, she had several hit songs back, especially back in the day. Oh gosh! But as I was growing up, I really liked that song "Upside Down." I thought, but maybe it didn't have enough power. Like I said, I don't know. But um, I thought for sure she had a Grammy going on. Mm. Yeah, Diana Ross never won a Grammy. She was never, um, I think, was never nominated for a Grammy, as far as I know. Not like her other Motown. Oh, no. Mm, not like her other Motown colleagues. Stevie Wonder was nominated. I mean, because she is iconic, so. Yeah, that's true. But when you look at some of the top 10 hits, if it, you know, if it broadens, you know, crossover and, and, and other things, you know, but I was surprised that Diana was never mentioned, nominated or anything like that. But when 1987 came along, Smokey Robinson won his first Grammy for the first time. And it was his first, even though he wasn't there, but he won a Grammy for the first time time surprising isn't it yeah and you know what jennifer lopez yeah i i, I believe she should i mean that's a hard-working woman her and madonna you know those are hard-working women they're still working to this day you understand what i'm saying well jenny's more you know my age but um um i think she should have won one i definitely think she should have won one she put it down her music was awesome it is awesome and then you know what? Um, I'm surprised that Miley Cyrus didn't win one. Miley Cyrus, um, you know, Billy Cyrus' daughter, you know, and her music is um, her music is good. I forgot who she lost to. I can't remember. It was like somewhere in the earlier 2000s, but uh, she lost to somebody. But um, 
you know, she played the character of Hannah Montana, who was singing on that show on Disney, and then she stepped out on her own to do her own music. It was great. I think she, I think she deserves uh, um, an Emmy herself. Not Emmy. I'm sorry, Grammy. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back. You're listening to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. And I just want to say thank you for tuning in to my music podcast, the Black Soul Music Experience podcast, where I bring you the history of black music, gospel, jazz, blues, old school classic soul, old school hip hop, Today's hip-hop and R&B, Caribbean, Latin, Afrobeat, Afro-Latina, Blue-Eyed Soul, Go-Go, Disco, The Line Dances, and The Lost 45s. This year, it's going to be different where I have to do all of the talking, where I bring you more artists' profile birthdays, more music topics, and I finally got a chance to get some guests to be on my podcast. So in order for me to continue, then I need your help. Please subscribe to anchor.fm forward slash Samuel dash Wilson Jr. slash subscribe. And please support my podcast. Go to anchor.fm forward slash Samuel dash Wilson Jr. forward slash support. And keep on listening to the Black Soul Music Experience podcast Every Tuesdays, available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for your support. Welcome back to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr., and I had to bring back my special guest, my friend and colleague producer from CBS News, Miss Tanya Dunham, and we're talking about our favorite memories at the Grammy Awards and the Super Bowl. So we're just getting up to this next question right here I wanted to ask you. Now, who were your favorite R&B black artists that had all the hits that you were surprised that they were nominated for a Grammy Award? That I was surprised? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Prince. <laughs> I wasn't surprised at all. I mean... Um, uh, and some other artists that um, I, these people didn't win. They they just didn't they didn't win. Um, um, who was it? Um, and I want to stick with rap because that's what I know. You know, Buster Rhymes should have been um, had a couple. And you know, I I loved his performances on the on the Grammy. Um, who else? And back back early early nineties, we had what one twelve. We had seven oh two. We had we had a lot of artists, black black R and B artists, and none of them won nothing. So, <laughs> um, and this and see, and last year's performance, I'm, I think it was a little different. I like it. It was like not Grammy for me. I, I even on my podcast, I talked about how. The last year, maybe it was last year or the year before when um, I think it was Meg Thee Stallion and, and um, Cardi B had performed. Was that the one they did that uh, WAP thing? Yeah. yeah see, I didn't think that was appropriate for the Grammys. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep that real. I just, Grammys is sort of like the elegant, you know, and I know that's that John Duran music and stuff like that. I just don't believe that performers should have been there you know what i'm saying at the grammys 
that that's more of a BET MTV. Um, type of performance. If you're nominated, uh, yeah, if you're nominated, it'll be okay. Yeah. Now, we can... I don't think their performance was warranted to be on, um, be on that show. Which we are getting to the next question. What were some of the hits and misses at the Grammys? You, you mentioned... Uh, Megan D. Stallion and Cardi B performing, you know, I, I say the same thing, which was, you know, inappropriate, you know, for television. You know, they should be at BET or MTV, but as far as the Grammys, the Grammys is part of like, you know, the big Olympic moment competition. You know, you had all music from all genres and not just that, but also recording spoken word and comedy and motion picture soundtracks and Broadway cast recordings as well. So that was the whole picture of the Recording Academy. Now, you just mentioned Megan Thee Stallion and, and Cardi B. What were some of the other ones that, you know, what was appropriate and what was unappropriate when you was watching the Grammys? Um, that was the first time I ever said that I ever said that it was not. I was like, yeah, that's a little too raunchy for that. That's the first time I've ever said that. As a, I, I, and like I said, and I'm saying it again, I respect everybody's um, music and, and their artistry and their creative uh, thoughts. I just didn't, that one stood out particularly to me because it was just, you know, what it was talking about. It was talking about, you know, I don't know if you know what WAP means. Do you know what it means? Yeah, it stands for wet beep beep. <laughs> so we talking about you know some good music and stuff like that i just didn't think it was appropriate for the grammys i you know it was it's rap number one you know and rap is a genre but i just didn't think that performance itself like she could be kodak black or kodak, what is it kodak yellow or, or something like that and mick and the kids didn't you know they could have done their other stuff or even toned it down, but it was off the chain. Like I'm like, what? You know, I'm not. I wasn't used to it. I wasn't used to it. And I think they did that because a lot of people were stuck in the house um, from COVID and stuff like that. So they just gave the visual, you know, to, to the song. So, but I don't have any other uh, um, uh, performances and that stuck out of my mind that they shouldn't have performed that one. Yeah, I think that should have they should have never performed that at the Grammys. One of the other things that I was watching, this was 2018, and they were supposed to be celebrating the 60th annual Grammy Awards. So when you think of the 60th annual or 50th annual, you were supposed to be showing clips from the previous Grammy Award winners or the Grammys of the past, whether it's presenting a Grammy or performing on the Grammys and for any other things. But they were using that platform, you know, for, uh, for the Me Too movement and some other things. And I said to myself, aren't they supposed to be showing clips of the, you know, the Grammy Awards winners of the past and things like that? But they were using the platform for the Me Too movement which later, when we had to deal with President Trump in the House, and that means all of the ladies have came forward 
and said enough is enough. And when the president of the Recording Academy, I don't know, I, I forgot what he said, but, you know, it's time for ladies to step up to the plate. So if you can't be silent, you know, nothing's going to get done. And I think that shows an example when ladies have to get a chance to get out and vote and, and for the women's march and things like that. That's showing an example of what we should be doing. But what during the during the uh, following years, you know, during the COVID and now since last year and of this year, I see ladies are stepping up to the plate and seeing more diversity in the recording academy because me growing up down through the years i'm sure you and i know you know many academies you know mostly it was all men all white men but now we see the change that is coming in all diversity you see a few african-american you see a few latino you know somewhere down the line you may see some more native american or asian or caribbean or lgbtq you see someone that representing. So when you see in the future of the Grammy Awards, you'll see someone, you know, representing us in different diversities. And hopefully we'll get a chance to see that in our lifetime. Do you agree? Yeah, I definitely do. I definitely do. Now, let me share with the audience that I got a chance to go to. I went to the Grammy Museum at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. And my paternal cousin, Margo, had took me out there in 2021. And that was for my belated birthday treat. So I got a chance to see the Grammy Museum. I think it was 2022, 2022. Yes, 2022. And I got a chance to see everything, all of the Grammys, how the Grammy looks like from the beginning, when it was a little small and now I see little big Grammys and all of the performances, all the pictures. So after when a performer receive their Grammy, they go backstage, you know, they got a chance to talk with the press and I've seen all of the pictures and we were just playing around with some of the instruments that they had uh, back there. And, and also, you know, some of the, you know, how the hip hop, room got in there and of course all the wardrobe clothing that was being donated so i got my first chance to see um the grammys and yes i did take some pictures of the grammys all of the performers and the winners of the past and present so that was something that i always wanted to see i was on my greyhound bus back in 2021 on my way to cleveland and i saw a glimpse of the Grammy Museum from the outside. So when in 2021 or 2022, when my cousins had took me for my belated birthday treat, um, I got a chance to see what was on the inside. So I got a chance to see everything and everything. I don't know if you went to the Grammy Museum or not, did you? No, I have not had a chance to make it out that way, but I will, I, you know, you inspire me to do so. When I have some time off, I definitely will make it that way. It's in Newark, right? You said Newark, right? Yes, at the Prudential Center. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. Definitely went. 
Now, we're going to get into the next topic now. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl memories and and everything. Now, are you a huge fan of football and the Super Bowl? I am a I'm a fan of football. I can watch football, but um and I'm a fan of their halftime shows. <laughs> Definitely a fan of their halftime shows. So, um I don't have a favorite team. Uh, so say like the New York Giants and the Jaguars or New York Gian- Giants were, uh, since we're from New York, New York Giants were to play, I, I would definitely vote for the New York Giants or the Jets, whoever's playing from here. I don't have a special team that I just, I'm all out for. Um, I like, I like the Giants. I know this year they, they're, they've been losing every game there is on, uh, and especially the, the, what I, I, I watch football too. I watch it. The first game for the Giants. I never seen anything like that in my whole life. Like they had turnover after turnover, and just the craziest mistakes ever. Uh, and so a lot of people stop being fans for that. They move on to another team. Um, and if I was home, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida originally. Um, if I was home, I would vote for the Jaguars. Now you ask me who's on the team. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who it is, but I love the colors. <laughs> and uh, I watched the game because I, you know, um, I really didn't get into football. So he was playing football, so I didn't. I, I didn't even understand the game. So it's been, it's been, it was some, you know, it was. Yeah, I didn't even watch football, but now I, you know, I'll turn on the game on a Sunday or a Monday night or whenever it comes on if some good teams are playing. That um or whatever, but I don't have. I'm not. I'm not a big fan where I have my uh, special team. Do you have a special team? Uh, no, I don't. I never watch football. I'm not a football fan either. But uh, most of the time, I do watch a little bit of the Super Bowl, but not that much of a Super Bowl person myself. Which we get into the next question. Let's share with some of our audiences about. Your favorite Super Bowl moments, whether it be the national anthem or the Super Bowl commercials or the cameo appearances, you know, as you know, the Super Bowl have aired on CBS and NBC. And then later in the mid 80s, it made its debut on ABC. And then in the mid 90s, that's when Fox moved in. So it was just all on CBS and NBC and Fox. So I don't know what was some of your favorite who performed at the national anthem or the Super Bowl commercials. You know, it's the commercials. It's the commercials. I live for the commercials and for the Super Bowl halftime performance. No matter who plays on on the performance, I still watch it because I like all genre of music. So um, uh, definitely the commercials. Now, what's the the funniest ones were the cavemen back in the day. The guy from Caveman. Um, uh, Doritos is definitely funny now. Um, and what the, I, I, I'd have to go back to some com- <laughs> Super Bowl commercials. Um, those two stand out the most. That Geico Caveman one and the Doritos one. Let's see. And then um, let's, uh, the, the commercials that they're playing now are not as funny as they were as they were back in the day. They're, they're, they're sort of like lame. And it doesn't make me laugh. I'm looking at it sideways like, what? What? 
where's the laughter? Where's the funny? The fun that's you spend a lot of money for this for this ad. They spend millions of dollars for these ads, and they're not um, they're not um, they're not hitting home. Now you you mentioned your favorite football teams. I know Jacksonville, and uh, who were some of your favorite football players? It could be any team. <laughs> That's the problem, Sam. I don't have. I don't know the p- team players. Let's see. We know Tom Brady. I can't say he's my favorite. I just know he's popular. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Deion Sanders. Um, can't say he's a favorite, but because he's popular, you, you, you know, I don't have a favorite football player because I don't know the players. I just know the team. <laughs> I know that sucks. Do you have a player? Well, uh, let me see. Not that I know of. Um, well, um, not that much of a football player fan. I, I know Joe Montana and uh, the San Francisco 49ers and uh, Dan Marino of the Miami Dolphins. That I remember back, I think it was 1990, um, when they performed at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like I said, I don't have, a, I'm not a big, huge fan. I do love live football because that's just the adrenaline rush. You know, the fans are crazy. You know, um, and it's good to watch live football. Have you ever been to a live football game? Um. Pro football, NFL, no. College football, yes. And I can't say. Well, I've been to both. I've been to college and I've been to NFL. But um, just being in the stands with the fans who are going eight eight crazy over this over their team, um, I love the energy in there. You know, I can understand how the the, the football players when they do get a t- touchdown. They feel that energy from the crowd and everything from their, you know, people who are supporting them. It's it's awesome. So you should definitely go check it out. It's a, it's an awesome experience. And like I said, I don't have a favorite team, but I will go if somebody gave me free tickets to go see um, the Dallas Cowboys or uh, a team that's not doing. Well, I still go. You know. Right. Now let's talk about the halftime show, and that's the main attraction. And I have never watched the Super Bowl until 1980 when my late stepfather was changing the channel. I was watching The Wonderful World of Disney on NBC on Sunday night. It was 1980. He had to turn the channel. I ain't watching no Super Bowl. I said, hey, man, you check this out. There's football. This is something for you. I said, something for me. I ain't no athletic sports. But, you know, that's when the halftime show came in. And then down through the years, now I've seen so many performers who have performed at the halftime show you know all music genres whether it's pop or country or soul or r&b and and even hip-hop you know they take a part of the super bowl halftime show now as i mentioned um dolly parton was supposed to perform for super bowl 58 but she pulled out to the last minute so usher will be performing for Super Bowl 58's halftime show. But didn't he perform before? Um, I don't think so. Um, I was just looking at some of the others of the past. I know Prince performed at the halftime show. Um, uh, Stevie Wonder, Luther Vandross, Josh Stone, uh, Katy Perry, 
um, Madonna, along with Nicki Minaj and rapper M.I.A. Now, when I recently did an episode on Madonna, she had performed at the halftime show along with Madonna and M.I.A. So when M.I.A. was putting up a middle finger in front of a live audience, you know, they got to pay a fine and and everything. So that's some things we have to be careful with when you're performing a song, but you have to edit out all the cuss words and things like that. Uh, Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. I remember that. We're going to get to that. 2004. I remember that. Janet Jackson was performing. And then Justin Timberlake came on. And, you know, I didn't see what really happened. But when I was watching the late night news, when they have shown everything, when Justin Timberlake had to rip that thing off, you, you just see a nipple. Well, we couldn't even see it. You know, just the ring. I didn't see it either. I was like, uh, okay. But, oh, all right. But they shouldn't have banned that woman for uh, a, um, um, a wardrobe malfunction. You know? Um, we've seen worse and heard worse, so I'm not understanding. Yeah, and, and that was the talk of the town the next day. Everybody was talking about, yo, did you see Janet Jackson's wardrobe malfunction? I mean, every late night talk show host was using that, you know, for their platform. Every comedian was using that for a platform. And and yes, um, Janet Jackson uh, was on David Letterman, the late show with David Letterman, when they were talking about the wardrobe malfunction. They had the dimmer lights for a minute. And then, like in May or April, she was a musical guest and guest host on NBC Saturday Night Live. So when it was spoofing on Condoleezza Rice and half of the wardrobe malfunction, is it's a topic that just wouldn't go away. Do you agree? And it still ain't gone away. They still talk about it. They still talk about it. But the most iconic, not. Well, we get, I, I didn't want to jump the gun. I didn't want to jump the gun on you, Sam. I was about to tell you who my favorite pick was. You already know it. But the, I'm going to surprise you with this one. Was it Prince? Of course it was Prince. <laughs> <laughs> who sings their song, Purple Rain, in the rain? Okay, that was the most iconic one. That was that was a statement. But the one I love that one. I love that performance. But the one that gave me power because he was the man, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, when he was on top of the, uh, we couldn't we couldn't figure out where he was performing at, but he was on top of the stadium. You remember that? Yeah. And um, yeah, that was the performance of of. One of the the second performance. I want to say the first because he he did his thing. He did his thing. I ain't gonna lie. Michael Jackson did his thing. And another performance. Beyonce performed at the Super Bowl halftime show. So she was going to perform her song. And guess who was in the audience? Former Mayor Rudy Giuliani. So he had to make a backlash on that song that Beyonce was performing. And then a little later, the lights went out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I that was 
actually thought that was part of the show. It was it was not a part of the show. Everybody's saying Beyonce did it. <laughs> so hard she blew out the lights. But yeah, she did. Listen, that, that was the song when the what was it? Uh, when she had the hats on. Um, I hear the song in my head. Uh, I think it was Lemonade, if I'm not mistaken. It wasn't Lemonade. It was the um the one with the hat. What's that song? It was maybe it was no, it wasn't Lemonade. Uh, formation. That's what it was. Come on, ladies. Yes, the formation. That one. That one too. She did her thing on that too. And those dances too. Listen, we gotta get credit to those dances. Their backup dances. Those dances be working. Okay. They were. Oh, another another one that I loved uh, was Bruno Mars when she performed Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars is awesome. He's like he's like. Um, a little energized, good dancer, good um, musician, just all the all the way around. I like I like him. But another one that I really like, Sam, as far as the uh, the halftime shows, Maroon Five. Maroon Five. I can't remember what year that was. Let me look. Let me see. Uh, oh, twenty nineteen. Maroon 5 did their thing. They inspired me so much. Oh, I just, I love Maroon 5 in the first place anyway. I love Adam Levine. But uh, uh, that performance, that, uh, that they killed it. They killed it. Wow, they really did. They really did. All right, we're going to take another quick break, and we'll come right back to share some other things that I got to put down on the questions that I was going to ask Tanya Dunham, but we're going to be coming right back and we'll talk about more about our favorite Super Bowl moments. You're listening to the Black Soul Music Experience. Welcome back to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. and we're talking about our favorite Grammy Awards and Super Bowl moments on television. And with me, I have my special guest. I had her come back for the second time of season three. Please welcome my friend and colleague from CBS News, Miss Tanya Dunham. Now, I want to share some of the Super Bowl halftime show memories myself. Now, in case you may not know, hip hop had made its appearance on the Super Bowl halftime show. And let me tell you, Former Mayor Rudy Giuliani was in the performance again. So when Eminem took a knee, you know, in in honor of Colin Kaepernick, you know how the Republicans are. They will, will say anything. It's like saying, why you got this, the flag for, and, and things like that. So when Colin Kaepernick was trying to say a message, you know how former President Trump was and so many other Republicans were dissing, especially the halftime show when hip hop moved in. And, you know, many people had enjoyed it. But as I said, so many Republicans were not happy with the performance. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, that was iconic. Uh, I did. I did enjoy that. Um, that was last year, right? We had Snoop Dogg, we had Dr. Dre, we had Eminem, you had all the iconic uh, rappers, um, and I love the um, 
the uh, stage they were on. I think it was a moving house, sort of like it was. It was moving parts to that, to the like a Compton house or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something um, very nice, and I I definitely enjoyed that. The rap, the rap, the rap of um, the rap portion of uh, the Super Bowl. Never seen that before. Yes, as I said, you know, this is the first that hip hop have moved into the Super Bowl halftime show. And as I said earlier, you know, we've seen all of our music genres, whether it's pop or country or soul or R&B. And, and yes, hip hop have moved in. You know, I only like the part when Alicia Keys was doing the national anthem, but she's decided to do it her own way. And like I said, you know, there's a lot of backlash from, you know, so many patriotic Republicans are saying, why are you doing the national anthem that way? You're supposed to do it the way that it always been. <laughs> so when you hear so many performers, you know, whether they're, whether they're R&B or soul or many others, you know, they would do their version of the national anthem the way, you know, that's really comfortable for them. Do you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, Alicia Keys put her stink on it. You know, it's just like if I were to perform, I'd, I'd do it my way. You know, I wouldn't do it the traditional way. That's boring. <laughs> I'll definitely put my own stink on it, as they say. My own style. Now, we got to talk about uh, one of those top 10 hits that I saw on Jet Magazine. This was back in January of 1986. And when the Chicago Bears were at the Super Bowl, let me tell you, the Chicago Bears had a top 10 hit. It was called the Super Bowl Shuffle. And this is the first time that an NFL football team had a top 10 hit. When I saw it on Jet Magazine's top 20 singles, I know that was a top 10 hit on Billboard's Hot 100 pop charts. And this is the first time that I've seen the football team was rapping. Uh, let me get your reaction on that. Did you get a chance to see the video or was it aired on some of the local stations? No, I saw it a long time ago. I was a young team. Um, and I, at, 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 that, at that time, it was funny. It was cute. It was something different. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but they should stick to football. <laughs> <laughs> They should stick the football. I mean, we have um, several teams out there who got uh, did um, who did a song. Um, was it the Pittsburgh Steelers too? Um, I don't know. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers? But I mentioned uh, 1987 when the New York Giants was getting ready to perform at the Super Bowl, and they did a video. I was watching New York Hot Tracks on ABC Seven. That was on a Saturday afternoon, an encore performance. And that's the first time I saw that music video from the New York Giants. Never knew they had one. Mm -hmm. Yep. What's the video? Uh, the name of the song was... What's the rap about? They're rapping? Yeah, they were rapping. The name of the song was called We Are the New York Giants. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we know who you are just because of what you're wearing. Yeah. And... And you know, so many football teams, not football teams, but a couple of baseball teams were getting into the act of music videos, but that will be for another topic. But, you know, football, you know, this is the first time I've seen a couple of football teams, if they were going to the Super Bowl, 
you know, they would do it. But this was the first time I seen back in the eighties. This was the age of MTV and VH1 and BET. And then some of the other local stations for those that don't have cable, NBC had Friday night videos. ABC had ABC rocks right after nightline. And before it was New York hot tracks on ABC seven. And so many other music video shows that were aired in syndication on some of the other local stations across the country. And this was something new that many people got involved with. And, and when I mentioned those two football teams, they wanted to get a taste of it. So you never know what's going to take place. Do you agree? Yeah, definitely. you never know. You never know. You can have your mindset for one thing, and definitely a different turnout comes out. But, um, yeah, you just never know. All right. So before we wrap things up, as always, I always ask our, our, our guest. So what I have in my hand, we're going to bring you the Black Soul Music Experience. Now, since this is a Grammy and Super Bowl episode we're gonna do it extra so instead of top 10 we're gonna make it the top 12 so we're gonna be doing the black soul music experience top 12 artists that performed at the grammy awards and at the super bowl halftime show so we're gonna start at number 12 and work our way up to number one so we're going to find out who was our favorite performer that performed at the Grammys and at the Super Bowl halftime show that has strung a worldwide audience with a ratings hit? Are you ready, Tanya? Uh, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> that list is very short for me, so. <laughs> So you started off. I'll go. I started off. I'll, 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 I'll end it. Okay. I'm going to start at number 12. And number 12, this will be at the Grammys. I'm going to start off with number 12. Number 12 is um, Janelle Monet. Now, even though she performed at the Grammys, but she had to do a presentation. It was the 60th annual Grammy Awards. And when she did her presentation, as I said earlier in the Me Too movement, I said to myself, shouldn't they leave that for the political side? This is supposed to be the music night. But uh, every musician got involved with that. Do you agree? Yes, I definitely agree. You know, I know that was the tone back then. And, um, but there's just some things you just need to have, let them have their space. And that, that, at that time, music was a space. You know, but her song, I think her song was dedicated to meet the Me, Me Too movement, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, I get it. Now, at number 11, um, I'm going to start off with Christina Aguilera, who performed the national anthem but she's still slurring at the end, so she must have forgotten the words. <laughs> right. She probably did. Sometimes you get in the moment and you just forget, you know. 
but I like Christina Aguilera. I'm sad that her her career, even though it's her career was big, but I just believe she should have been on the Adele market. She has a beautiful voice. That she's so small and have all that power. Now, I'm gonna stick with number ten. Number 10 was Mr. Aaron Neville. He performed at the Super Bowl, and this was back in January of 1990. So even though that wasn't that much performance, but like I said, he did it his own way, his own version of the national anthem. He's not like some of the other singers, but, you know, you got to give props to Aaron Neville of the Neville Brothers from New Orleans. So that would be at number 10. 10. Okay. Okay. All righty. Number nine, one of the greatest performance at the Grammy Awards. Number nine. I'm going to give it off to the Spinners because, in my view, they performed at the Grammys back in 1975 as the opener and then again in 1983. Even though they was nominated for a Grammy, but, you know, they didn't win a Grammy. But, you know, they should have. But, uh, you know, hats off to the spinners. Um, they go at number nine. I'm going to be at number eight for the Super Bowl um, halftime or the national anthem. I'm going to start at number eight. Um, that's when they had Stevie Wonder and Josh Stone because they were – of celebrating Detroit, Michigan, you know, for Motown. And that's one of the best performances of the Super Bowl. And that was back in 2006. That was Super Bowl 40. It was aired on ABC. I was at the laundromat, you know, on East Chester and Boston Road, and I was watching a little bit of the halftime show. So that was at number nine. Now, number eight. Number eight at the uh, Grammys. Number eight, Tina Turner. She performed What's Love Got to Do With It. She performed it live. Although I didn't see the whole Grammy Awards, but I was watching a few clips of Tina Turner performing What's Love Got to Do With It, performing at the Grammys at number eight. So rest in peace to Miss Tina Turner. Now, Number seven, one of the greatest Super Bowl moments, halftime show. And we mentioned Bruno Mars. So I'm going to put Bruno Mars on that list. Right. Yeah, he was upcoming. He was new. And he performed at the Super Bowl. So he'll be at number seven. Now, number six, uh, best Grammy moment um i'm gonna say hat um hands down to um i'm gonna say number six number six which should be um performance with bonnie Raitt. now she's a blues singer too and she won yeah this was 1990 grammy awards she won a grammy but she was making a comeback for uh for one of her hits you know during the 70s she had a hard time during those years but but she made a comeback in 1990 
with her album Nick of Time, and she she did her performance, blues, everything. So she's at number six. Okay. Now, number five. Number five. We're up to number five. So I'm gonna say my Super Bowl performance number five. We mentioned Alicia Keys. You know, she did her version of the national anthem. As I said earlier, you know, not many people were happy with how things they do, but we do things our way, how we are comfortable with the national anthem. And that's at number five. Number four. Here's number four. And number four, I'm going to say with DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince when they're performing at the Grammys. Um, I think it was 1992 with their performance of Summertime, even though even though they, they boycotted in 1989 because they didn't to perform on stage. So even though so many hip-hop performers have boycotted because they wanted to perform hip-hop on there. So that was at number four. Number three, number three, we got to say Beyonce. Yeah. Beyonce <laughs> at, at the Super Bowl. That was, she did a powerhouse, turned out right, turn it out right. That's what, when the lights went out, power surge. <laughs> she, put her, she put her, she put all that energy in that. I mean, the, the, that whole performance was awesome. Okay, like I said, I'm a bit, I'm, I'm not a big Beyonce fan, but I love. I saw her in concert. Uh, what was it? The, the hit and run or, the on the. I'm sorry, the on the run run tour back in 2016. I think yeah, it was 2016 or 17. Um, and I, that woman works. Do you hear me? And I'm, I'm, I'm sort of kind of like mad because I didn't go to the Renaissance. Um tour but um and i i don't even know if i want to see it in the theaters because um i i wanted to go at the last minute and it was just too it was just too much money i couldn't afford it at that time um um but i love her music i do love her music she is she empowers people and i can't stand it when people sit there and talk about this woman saying that um well, you know, she just did her Renaissance tour and she's got blonde hair and she's trying to be a white woman. I'm I, I'm not understanding that. I don't get that at all. But um that's Beyonce. Beyonce can do whatever she wants because she is that B, as she says. She is that girl. She's that girl. So yes, I want to give that to Beyonce, number three. I agree with you on that. Number two, everybody's been talking about a JT and Janet <laughs> at the Super Bowl halftime you know that was the most you know the ratings ever the ratings hit you know you never know what's gonna happen live so wardrobe malfunction you know and you know i didn't see the whole thing of what took place but as i saw it on the news you know like a you know five second delay and then you know i saw the whole thing it was the talk of a town comedians Everybody was talking about it. So even though Viacom had to pay for the fine and things like that, but but yeah, but she handled it, and she is a Jackson, so it don't matter. All right, and the number one who performed at the Super Bowl 
is none other than the late Whitney Houston. Yes, number one. And I'll tell you why. This was 1991. She performed at the Super Bowl on ABC. Now, this was the time when all of our troops were in Iraq and Iran, as was Operation Desert Storm. And her moving performance had gotten everybody on their feet. So when you hear Whitney's voice, it's the power of the voice that moves you. And the next day, when 107.5 WBLS played that song, the next day, Arista Records had pulled out that single in two days. Every black radio station was playing Whitney's version of the national anthem. And yes, that song was at number 58 on VH1's 100 Greatest Moments of Rock and Roll. So when you compare Whitney performing the national anthem to comedian Roseanne performing at the national anthem, it was at number 60. Everybody was saying, why would you hire Roseanne Barr performing the national anthem at the Cincinnati Reds game, baseball game. She was sending a message to President Bush <laughs> and everything. She sounded like Archie Bunker. <laughs> when I first when I first heard that, I was like, what? Roseanne singing? Ay, ay, ay. What cat is screaming? What's going on outside? You know? <laughs> yeah, she was, you know, performing. Everybody was a little bit of booing and was like, that's not the way you sing it. So it was like, it's true. You know, how could you compare that half, half someone sing it? But when Whitney took it to the next level, she took it to the next level. Powerful. Number one. Her for the national anthem, I was I, I was thinking you were talking about Super Bowl uh, performance. That's a, uh, the halftime show. Okay, I'll give it to her. Yeah, she did do her thing. She 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 broke glasses and barriers and brought everybody together during a time that um, um that we were at war. Yes, and yes, yes, yes. So rest in peace to the princess of pop, Whitney Houston. She had battled all of everything that that made part of the Grammys and the Super Bowl moments come true. Well, Tanya, it is a pleasure to have you back for the second time of season three of my Black Soul Music Experience podcast. As I said, you know, I wanted to get some of the other guests who were doing special events, but unfortunately they pulled out to the last minute. So I had to get you back to share with us. It's always good to come on your podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out. And we want to uh, let our audiences know to find out more about the Grammys and what we have talked about on our episode. Make sure you check out the Grammy Museum. There's two locations, one in Newark, New Jersey, and the other one in Los Angeles, California. So if you're not doing anything, if you're here on the East Coast, make sure you check out the Grammy Museum at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. And for those of you who listen to my podcast on the West Coast, 
make sure you check out the Grammy Museum in Los Angeles, California as well. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear this interview, please subscribe by going to anchor.fm forward slash Samuel dash Wilson Jr. slash subscribe. And please support my podcast. Visit anchor.fm forward slash Samuel dash Wilson Jr. slash support. And don't forget to check out the 66th Annual Grammy Awards airing on the first Sunday of February live at 8 p.m., 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, 5 Pacific on CBS and streaming at Paramount+. Plus. And don't forget, Super Bowl 58 will be airing on Sunday, February 11th, also on CBS and streaming at Paramount+. Plus. Please pass the word if you want to check out this podcast episode. And thank you for joining me as I close out this edition of the Black Soul Music Experience. Well, that's about it for this edition of the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. Thank you for joining me and please tune in next week for an all new episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel Wilson Jr. slash subscribe. And please support my podcast by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel Wilson Jr. slash support. You can also leave your message by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel Wilson Jr. slash messages. And please leave your feedbacks and your comments and your replies by going to my Facebook homepage. Go to facebook.com slash the Black Soul Music Experience Podcast. And you can also tweet me on Twitter at Sam Wilson Jr. 66. As always, partying, remember this. Reach for the top and your dreams will come true and it can happen to you. From all of us, take care. God bless. Thanks for listening. Have a good week. And please be safe.